It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, September 18th, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Candidates for school board in Sitka met in an election forum Wednesday night on KCAW. Andrew Haynes, Cass Pook, and Blossom Twitchell are competing for two open seats on the board. Both are three-year terms. All the candidates have board experience. Cass Pook has 18 years of prior service. Twitchell and Haynes are current members who were appointed to fill vacancies in June of this year. The three answered questions ranging from how successfully the pandemic is being managed by the district to whether Sitka should change the name of Baranoff Elementary School. They were also asked to identify their top three program priorities in the district. Here's an excerpt of their answers. It's really going to take um, hearing from when it comes time for the budget process. We do hear a lot from the different schools and recommendations from administration and the superintendent. And that's usually where we start. So um, it's really what the community brings to our attention. I I can't really go on what I think, but it's going to really take hearing from the community and what are their priorities when it comes time for the budget process. I don't want to list what I think the top three. I I will say that at budget times, I, I think that that staffing is really important to protect. Uh, When we're looking at cutting positions in order to save programs, again, it's an impossible choice. Um, And and the programs are important and they should be funded. Um, But I think when we start cutting staff, uh, that's a slippery slope that adversely affects not just the individual who's losing their job, but also the, the opportunities for students in the classrooms. I would say that I, I think it's it's crucial for students that we have as as talented and well-rounded of a staff as we can. And, and typically when programs get cut, it's the staff that are involved in teaching those programs that suffer as well. It's not really up for me to say, um, but it's up to our families and our students. There's music and there's the shop classes and there is art and all of those programs really bring together the other aspects of social emotional learning as well as um, the different aspects of just sitting in a class and learning your math and science. Those were school board candidates Cass Pook, Andrew Hames, and Blossom Twitchell. You can find a link to a video of the entire school board forum on the KCAW election hub at kcaw.org, along with a link to Tuesday night's Mayor's Forum. The hub also has photos, bios, and position statements of all candidates running for office in Sitka, along with information on where and how to vote in the October 6th municipal election. Alaska's Board of Fisheries this week voted to delay the dates for meetings planned in Cordova and Ketchikan this winter because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Board members want to hold those meetings in person and will consider springtime gatherings instead. Next month, they'll hold an online meeting with more information about the schedule for the upcoming year and decisions the board has to tackle before the spring. Joe Vicknicki reports. The board regulates commercial, sport, and subsistence fisheries across Alaska. Its meetings focus on a different region every three years. They can attract hundreds of people from the industry and the public to testify on proposed changes to allocations and fishing rules before the board and dozens of agency staffers. The board's executive director, Glenn Haight, outlined the cleaning, distancing, and other precautions that could be required for holding in-person meetings, especially in winter, the middle of cold and flu season. Those include having redundant staff ready to fill in if a person is sent home sick. And it's, it's inconceivable for those of us who have been to these meetings to, to think that we could get through a board meeting where no one gets sick. 
I mean, not, not of COVID, but just of a common head cold. And according to what we said as our rules, if you're sick, you need to leave and go get tested. The board has a work session scheduled for October. After that, the schedule had a week-long meeting to consider finfish and shellfish regulation changes for Prince William Sound. That was planned in mid-December in Cordova. The next Southeast Alaska finfish and shellfish meeting was planned for Ketchikan in early January. For that, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, Fishermen, Advisory Committees, and Tribes have submitted over 150 proposed changes to regulations. Support staff recommended holding the fall work session online and pushing back the Prince William Sound and Southeast meetings to sometime in 2021. Fish and Game put out a survey this summer on the meeting format and received 234 responses. Those ranged from requests to delay the meetings a year to skepticism that the pandemic is a real threat. Some staffers and members of the public questioned whether the board process would work in an online format. Fish and Game Commissioner Doug Vincent Lang said he did not see how the state could conduct in-person meetings in Cordova and Ketchikan as soon as this winter. Cordova and Ketchikan would love to host these board meetings, you know, because it, it brings economic benefit to those communities and it's an opportunity for them to have a meeting in their community. But again, when we're talking about bringing in, you know, 50 to 60 people into a meeting, in, into a community as small as Cordova, that, that is somewhat problematic in terms of how we deal with testing, how we deal with public health and a variety of other things. Officials and board members both highlighted the importance of in-person public participation and staff support while drafting new regulations. Board member John Wood said he was not interested in holding meetings online. And I'm hoping that we're not going to put off life entirely waiting for a vaccine to be developed. I can only point out the flu vaccines are given on an annual basis and the rate of death is still pretty significant among that group, and I don't see that changing with COVID. I think COVID's going to follow that same track. And uh, it's about time that uh, we in the public, at least, uh, start putting our lives back together and have some kind of normalcy. And Board Chair Merritt Carlson Van Dort also did not want online meetings, with the exception of one for next month. I think that there is an incredible amount that, of important insight, information, discussion, compromise that would wouldn't be allowed to take place um, in that format. However, for the purpose of October, um, it is my opinion that I think we could probably sort our way through that in a virtual format, given the restrictions and Anchorage and, um, and whatnot and just the uncertainty therein. Alaska's largest city last month instituted a 30-person limit on indoor gatherings. The board agreed that staff would come up with plans for holding the Cordova and Ketchikan meetings in person. Those could be in March, April, or May of next year, depending on the status of the pandemic and health protocols. They also agreed to hold next month's Anchorage work session online. That meeting will include whether or not to consider some proposals out of cycle. The board also hopes to identify pressing issues that need decisions before the springtime meetings. In southeast, those could include status of stocks of concern and king salmon management measures. Also on the agenda for the October work session, the status of board nominees who have not been confirmed. And another topic will be conflict of interest for board members and their participation in decisions that could benefit them. In Petersburg, I'm Joe. 
Anchorage received over $150 million in CARES Act funding from the federal government. While some of that money is still being allocated by the administration, Alaska Public Media's Lex Trinan reports on one shovel-ready project that has been getting young Alaskans working all summer, resulting in a new trail. It's a blustery Monday at the Glen Alps Trailhead in Chugach State Park. Most days, it's one of the most popular trailheads in Anchorage. But on this chilly September day, the crowds are gone, save for a few workers in safety vests and masks. They're part of a crew of 11 whose summer jobs were funded with CARES Act money, a little piece of the $4.5 million allocation for public land work. Sage Romy is in a chipper mood eight weeks into her assignment digging trails and laying boardwalks. Romy just graduated from college and she didn't exactly know what she'd do next. It's really nice having a job that like, I, I know I can do during COVID and I know we'll, we'll be paying for you know the next couple months of uncertainty. Romy says she was hoping to work in education after the job ends, but she's not sure how that will work during a pandemic. A short way down the trail, Shauna Kerrigan is blocking hikers from passing as a helicopter slings supplies up the trail. Originally from Rhode Island, she says she probably wouldn't be in Alaska if it weren't for the trail job here. I'd go look somewhere else for a job, but um, Alaska is so isolated from everywhere else. With COVID, I feel like I don't know what I would have done. That's kind of the point, says Steve Cleary, the director of Alaska Trails. His organization quickly pivoted during the pandemic to take on hiring a trail crew to finish some trail work in the state park. Cleary says the project feels like a bit of a throwback to Great Depression era programs. My dad actually worked in the Civil uh, Conservation Corps way back when, and it does uh, it does seem like that kind of project. It's it's uh, cool to be able to employ people. They're very grateful to to have the employment, and uh, it really it's just a win-win all around. The crew's working on installing a new trail in an overused area in the park just below O'Malley Peak. It just continues to be um, swept away by the, the rains that come down. So the switchbacks on this new trail will um, lessen that uh, erosion and also make it easier for people to, uh, to climb up. Assemblyman Chris Constant helped push through some of the funding. He says that the trail project creates jobs and provides a service to the public. And he says criticism that it takes money away from small business relief is misguided. Millions and millions of dollars have already been allocated for small business relief from the federal, state, and municipal governments. But many young and out-of-work people weren't being included in the programs. They weren't small business. They didn't have the need for a mortgage or rent assistance. They don't have childcare needs. And so they're left high and dry. And he says this project is straightforward and time-tested with little overhead. What's actually going on here is we're investing in people who want to earn a living, training them, providing them with linkage to future job opportunities where they have fundamentally basic training to get into the workforce. And it leaves behind an outdoor trail that future generations can enjoy, even if they're social distancing. Reporting in Anchorage, I'm Lex Trinan. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is